0: Good evening, everyone. Thank you for your warm hospitality. It's great to be back in Queensland. I'm a Queenslander, been out of the state a lot, but it's it's always great to come back to my home state. Fantastic. Um, and, yes, I've enjoyed uh, being here. Thank you for your know, just um, responsiveness and everything like that. It's fantastic. All right. Hey, tonight... I'm going to speak on having a healthy soul, having a healthy soul, okay? And how many of you know that after you read the menu, you're meant to have the meal, right? You know, and so when, when we preach a sermon, that's not over. You know, now we partake of what we laid the platform to receive, you don't go to a restaurant and read the menu and leave. Well, you shouldn't, all right? Yeah, that's not that. Let's let's line up all these uh, restaurants and read their menu. Oh, fantastic! Um, but sometimes I think um, we treat the the sermon as if that was it, without realizing. Hey, uh, the sermon was actually creating an atmosphere for us to receive the very thing we talked about. And so what's going to happen tonight is I'm going to teach and preach. But as I do it, the anointing of uh, compatible with what I'm talking about is going to build in this place. And so there's going to be an opportunity for you to respond to that. That's how Jesus would do it. First he'd teach and then he'd start to minister. So If uh, according to your faith, be it unto you. Come on, open your heart, be receptive to that. So let's pray first of all. Holy Spirit, you're the best teacher. And uh, help me to say it as clearly as I hear you preaching it inside of me. Uh, Help me to disappear and just to be locked into what you're seeking to deposit in hearts and lives tonight. Thank you for your desire to help us and heal us and lift us from where we are. We love you so much. Thank you for what you're about to do in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, having a healthy soul. And here's how I want to start. You know, uh, by my calculations, we only have seven weeks until we're saying Happy New Year. Wow, wow, seven weeks. And um, it's amazing, isn't it? How many times uh, we hear people saying, you know, um, I've made all these New Year resolutions, all the things I wanted to see happen, all the promises I've made to myself uh, about improving my life and I can't seem to do them. Who's ever heard? <laughs> I can't seem to follow through and they don't seem... the People, when they talk like that, don't seem to realise there is a reason for that. There is a deliberate connection between getting our lives together and, and our inner life. That's why we don't get it together. There's, we've got to get our inner life, our healthy soul life together. And it's not like the scripture isn't pointing at that. You know, this shouldn't be like, oh, wow, I never knew there was a connection between my outer behaviour and the inner state of my soul. The Bible's always pointing towards that, um, that that's where it actually starts. It doesn't start out here, it starts in here. And let's look at this first scripture, Isaiah 43, probably well known to many of you. This is what the Lord says, forget what happened in the past. Do not dwell on events from long ago. I'm going to do something new. It's already happening. Da-na-na-na. and But you don't recognise it. I'm going to clear away in the desert. I'm going to make rivers on dry land. And so as we set our hopes on having a better 2023, these verses are pointing to how We need to play our part in that happening. Instead of, you know, God's going to do it all, I'm just, no, no, no. The thing I want you to see is, no, your soul and the state of it needs to get involved. So first of all, in that scripture, God is telling us not to look back at our past. Uh, Why is that? Because when our thoughts are focused On the past, we're we're not seeing what God is doing now. We're missing it. We're too, did you know you can be in this room right now totally missing what God's doing now because you're totally absorbed by the past, right? And so you're not recognising that God's doing something in the present moment. Uh, We don't recognise it. And and the fact that the the prophet says we won't recognise it Tells us that maybe it's not coming with great, uh, in a great spectacular or sensational way. An angel's not coming with a scroll, and saying, "I am being sent from God." No, it could be God could be speaking to you through a casual coffee conversation uh, with a friend, or or the words on a sign as you're driving that saying, "Wrong way, go back." That's a word from God. See, God's saying, I'm doing something, but you're not recognising it. What I'm saying is maybe you're waiting for it to be spectacular and sensational, but you're distracted and maybe it's just something as simple as that. Maybe it's something as simple as being stuck in traffic behind a personalised number plate that says, let go. And you're stuck in traffic behind this person without you realising actually God's saying something to you. And you can miss what's happening because uh, you're looking at the present through the lens of the past, not realising. For instance, through the lens of the past We could believe that something happened in our past that was rejection and now we realise it was not a rejection, it was a redirection. Recognise that. That wasn't a rejection, that was a redirection. Through the lens of the past, we could believe that our hopes and dreams were buried under life circumstances but now we realise That seed of my destiny needed to go into the ground so that something completely new could spring up out of it. It needed to do that. The caterpillar needed to give up its life in order for the butterfly to turn up, all right? And through the lens of the path, you you thought you were staring at the border of your circumstance, but now you realise that's not the border That's a new horizon I'm staring at. And so we miss these things when we're we're looking at the present through the lens of the past. And so really these verses are about God desiring to bring change. But the real question is, are we in a position within ourselves to work with it, to recognise it, to respond to it? That's what the real question is. Not, not the willingness of God, but a, where are you at in yourself? Can you, one, recognise it? Number two, can you even respond to it? All right. So it's not all on God. There's a part that we play in this coming to fruition, all right? So it turns out the change that we're hoping for is not totally reliant on God uh, bringing opportunity to us. It's also reliant on us being in a good place to respond to it. And that brings us to why change is so difficult for humans. Humans struggle. You know, we love the idea of it, but when it's happening... We're not so comfortable with it, you know. So we acknowledge we need to change. We make promises to change. And we mean it, tears, sincerely mean it. We want to change. But we cry out to God to change. So, why is the follow through such a struggle? And well, we're not our own because the disciples of Jesus actually came to him with a similar question. How come we can't seem to do the thing that we know we should do? And here it is. Da-na-na-na. He said, he nailed it. He, in this one verse we're going to unpack tonight, this window of wisdom into the issue that Jesus gives us, wow, he's putting his finger right on the problem. And he said to them, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak, all right? never ceases to amaze me how Jesus could say so much with so few words and so... What's he saying to us here? He's answering their question. He's actually telling them why change is such a struggle for people. And before we get into that, we need to make sure that we're not taking out of context what he originally meant, the original language here. What did Jesus intend us to understand from this statement? The Greek word flesh, we could now see is really talking about the frailty of the human nature or the soul, right? The soul, the inner life. And so really what he's saying is your spirit is willing but your soul is weak. And the word weak means lacking in strength. Lacking in strength. So here's what he's saying. I get it. You're willing but you're... There's another part of you that's critical that's lacking in strength. So sure, you can come out and rededication your, rededicate your commitment to your dedication of your commitment, of your dedication of your commitment, of the rededication of your commitment, and you mean it. You mean it. So Jesus is saying, I get it. You actually mean it. That's, but that's not the problem. There's another part of you that you're not paying attention to. Your spirit is definitely willing, not bringing that into questions, but here Jesus is bringing light here to where the struggle to change is actually happening. It's not a lack of willingness of our spirit, it's a lack of strength in our soul. What does the Bible mean when it talks about our soul? Let's make sure we got that sorted before we dive into Talking about it, the first occurrence of the word soul is in Genesis where God breathed into man uh, the breath of life, it says in Genesis 2, and man became a living soul. So the word soul means a person, a living person, all right? And your soul is who you are, really important now, That's the person you become when you connect together your body, your will, and your mind. When we put all those together, those three parts together into a single expression, that's a healthy soul. When your physical actions, your mind, and your will are in harmony, working together properly, that's a healthy soul. That's alignment, all right? And so what do we mean when we talk about spirit? Well, that's the breath of God. And if you're in the wholeness seminar, well, that's impossible for someone to get an immature breath from God, all right? You went down the end of the line and God was out of breath by the time he got to you and he's so sorry, you got an immature breath. You know, you're gonna have to do life with that. That's a nonsense. So the spirit is a constant The only variable then is the soul. Forget about that. That was given to you by God. God did not give you an immature spirit. He didn't give you an immature breath. So stop all that. Your work is elsewhere. My list came out when I said that. (laughs) (laughs) That's why I never preach from the book of Thessalonians. It's (laughs) difficult for... people with lists to say T-H words, all right? So anyway, a distraction on Sunday night here at Emerge Church, all right? So it's impossible for for you. So the area of your struggle is not spirit. Surprisingly, Jesus said, forget that, that's all in order, I get it. The area that lacks strength is actually in Your soul. And so, contrary to uh, popular belief, when Jesus said, talked about the person that gained the whole world but loses their soul, he's not talking about the fact that uh, they never went to heaven. He's talking about the possibility of you losing your soul now in this life because it's not a reference to being kept out of heaven, it's a reference to you fracturing injuring, damaging, that's what that word actually means. Losing, probably a better translation would be damaging your soul. So this is what Jesus is saying. Sure, you can have all that stuff, but you'll fracture your soul to do it. You want it? You'll have to injure your soul to have all that pleasure stuff. You can have it, but the price tag will be a fractured soul, a weak soul an unhealthy soul. That's what he's actually saying. So let's put all this together. When the disciples come to Jesus, why are we struggling to change? Even when we sincerely want to change, he says, without question, your spirit is willing, but the problem is your soul lacks the strength to give expression to your spirit's willingness. That's the problem, all right? So perhaps we made the mistake or make the mis- of thinking our struggle is spiritual when really it's got to do with our soul. And it's not that we are insincere about changing, it's just that our spirit wants to do lots of stuff that our soul lacks the strength to do. Your spirit's here, your soul's back here. Can't keep up, right? If you like. And so this is the problem. Our soul, mind, will, body is the bottleneck through which the desire of our spirit must pass on its way to expression. What does that mean? All right, imagine. There's no question there's water in this bottle. But that's not the issue. The issue is it can't get out. And if your soul is the bottleneck of your spirit, there's lots of stuff your spirit wants to do without question, with sincerity. That's not the real issue. The question is, is your soul able, strong enough to actually let it out, to give expression? So anything your spirit wants, Commits to do can be cancelled out by your soul. Regardless of what our spirit wants, it's actually the integrity of our souls, the alignment of our mind, will, and that actually gets it done. Now, that's very confronting because you can't go anywhere in life unless your soul is strong enough to support what your spirit wants to do. And so. These insightful words of Jesus pinpoint where our struggle to change is really coming from. We've made everything a spiritual issue (laughs) and we've failed to address the issues of the soul. Honesty is not a spiritual issue. It's a soul issue. Obedience, follow through, faithfulness, commitment. That's not spiritual. That's soul, right? Right? Okay, And so because we've thought it was all spiritual and we haven't paid attention enough to the health of our soul, we've ended up perhaps, or Perth people, not Brisbane people, but have ended up a bunch of super spiritual Christians whose weak souls lag so far behind uh, their spirit, they struggled to get stuff done. We get in our prayer meetings, shaka ka we prophesy. It's the will of God. We're hearing it. Yeah, we're going to take this. We can't even get out of the car park without getting offended and being out of shape. <laughs> what just happened? Lots of spirit stuff, but then our souls lacked strength to follow through, all right? Vision, no doubt, bursting with vision, God vision. God stuff. But that's not the real issue. The real issue is our stroll, soul strong enough to give expression to it. I love this verse in Nehemiah chapter four, verse six. I love the way that he just goes there. <laughs> You know, if you know the story of Nehemiah, he was the guy, the leader that got the vision to rebuild the wall of Jerusalem. Did God speak to him? Absolutely, yes. Was it God's will to rebuild this wall? Absolutely, yes. But look at what he says. So we built the wall and the entire wall was joined together because the people had a mind to work. You know what he's saying? Sure it was God's will, sure I heard from God but we actually got it done because of was a strong soul commitment turning up, following through, delivering what they said they would do in the hot sun every day. We actually got it done because the soul of the people was strong enough to follow through. So how many people have gone to their grave with the will of God unfulfilled in their heart? We've got to stop thinking, well, it mustn't have been God then. Oh, it was. It's just the soul couldn't rise up with the commitment followed through sacrifice that's needed to actually get it done. So I love the way Nehemiah is pointing the actual reason why we got this done is because the soul of the people was strong. So these are not spiritual issues, they're soul issues. And so from our willing spirit, we can sincerely say we're going to live godly lives. But if we don't have the strength of soul to handle a word of correction without getting bent out of shape and spreading the dummy and withdrawing, then our weak soul will shut down what the spirit wants to do every time. It's not a problem with the will of God. It's the problem of a weak soul. And so you could be thinking, hang on, what doctrine is this from Perth that you bringeth to us? All right. And I thought if we were spiritually strong, then we could overcome our issues. Well, actually, the Bible points to the soul being the primary battleground of your life. Look at this. Dear friends, I urge you as aliens, see we include Martians, we're just embracing. doesn't matter what planet you're from. If you're here tonight from a planet, we welcome you. You can get a visitor's bag. All right, so... <laughs> Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires, which war against your soul. So the war is against the soul. The war in your mind is a war in... So so these aren't spiritual. The mental, emotional issues are issues of the soul. So the spirit is willing, but the flesh is often weak to translate that willingness into corresponding action. All right, so how does our soul become weak? Well, if you've ever played sport, maybe basketball or some contact sport, occasionally you might have seen somebody dislocate a finger or a shoulder. Ever seen that? You know, pop out, you know, and uh, <clears throat> don't get too much of a visual. Come on, come back. Oh yeah, that was gross, you know. And what happens when that joint gets dislocated? It gets weak. Immediately, it's weak. All right, because it's out of alignment. So when our our soul becomes weak, when the various parts of it—mind, will, physical. Action gets out of alignment, all right? And immediately your soul becomes weak. My soul is weakened when I lie to people because I have to make my face and voice fracture it from my innermost belief. To be convincing, I've got to fracture my soul. And Jesus said, that's the price you're paying. Sure, you can get away with it, but you'll fracture your soul to do it. Do you really want that? All right. My soul's weakened when I act like a different person, when I'm with my family, when I'm with my friends, when I'm at work and when I'm at church. And God forbid that my people from work would ever see me at church because they're thinking, who the heck's that? Because I fractured myself to be a different person in each one of those. Well, guess what? I might be pulling it off, but I'm weakening my soul to do it. My soul's weak... Weekend, when I project acts of kindness towards somebody, but secretly I want to emotionally punish them for not giving me what I want. So I'm this, yes, but to do that convincingly, I have to fracture my soul. And the longer I keep it up, the weaker my soul. Like that sports person, the longer they leave their arm, their finger like that, the weaker and weaker and weaker. That will become. So we end up being this fractured soul where our mind, will, and body are all disconnected from one another. And so instead of being a whole soul, we have all these different compartments with a different set of values, different set of moral values for work and finance, in my sex life, in my church life. Guess what? might be pulling it off and, okay, I'm convincing for people, but Jesus said, you're fracturing your soul. You're losing your soul to do it. So this explains why uh, the same person can have a total disconnect between their values and their actions depending on what silo compartment they're in. All right? As Jesus said, the price you're paying is your soul is becoming weak. So how do we strengthen our soul? Well, we gotta, we got to work on strengthening our soul all the time. By being here tonight, you're strengthening your soul because you're hearing truth and you're hopefully clunk, clunk. You've heard all sorts of other stuff during the week, but being here... You're bringing back some alignment. Oh, thank God. You're, you're among people who are, who are saying Jesus without it being a swear word. Mm. You're amongst uh, people who are uh, seeking the best for you. All right. So just by being here, going to your connect group or whatever, that, that's, that's soul alignment. That's soul health. You've got to maintain it. It's not, ah, that's just a Christian thing to do. No, no, no. You stop doing it, you're going to drift. You'll fracture your soul. So what am I saying? This is not a one-off thing. This is a maintaining thing. But let me give you three practical things and then we'll bring this to a close. Three practical things to maintain a healthy soul. Number one Telling the truth to yourself, God and others. Mm. Telling the truth. Look at this verse in Psalm 32, it says, But I confessed my sins. Oh, sorry. Before I confessed my sins, I kept it all inside. My dishonesty devastated my inner life, causing my life to be filled with frustration Irrepressible anguish and misery. The pain never let up. For your hand of conviction was heavy on my heart. My strength was sapped. My inner life dried up like a spiritual drought within my soul. Why? Because I was not being true with what I was saying. And so when we tell the truth, it's like these dislocated, fractured, out-of-the-joint parts of our soul clunk back in together into alignment. There is so much strain on your soul when you're being an imposter. So much strain. One day I'm going to get found out. One day the truth is going to come out. So please understand the reason why God calls us to give up sin is not because it's against his rules, but because it fractures your soul. Sin is soul pollution. You're not designed for it. That's why it messes you up. He never made you to behave like this. And so you're pushing your your life into a behavior that you're not so wonder it, no wonder it's stressful. You're not actually made to do it, all right? And so sin is not God wagging his finger, you broke my rules. No, this is a loving God saying, you're messing up your soul, your beautiful soul that I made you to be. And you're doing it to yourself. And we hear people inadvertently without realising it, saying it. They say things, that, I feel like my life's falling apart. I can't seem to get myself together. I seem like I'm going to pieces. I'm coming apart at the scene. That is the cry of a fractured soul. That's what it is. And so telling the truth to yourself, God and others is a very practical thing you can do to bring alignment try it, your soul will thank you. (laughs) It will, oh, that feels good, that feels good. Number two, your soul will be restless until you let it come home. Until you let it come home. See, Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and carrying heavy burdens. And what was the promise? Last part of that verse says, you will find rest for your souls. See, your soul intuitively knows where home is. And that is with its creator. Let me me put another definition on what you're feeling when you feel the presence of Jesus. You're feeling the feeling of home. Your soul is innately recognising its creator. And that's why it will be forever restless until you let it come home. Because I'm home. I'm in the presence of the one that gave me life. (laughs) And home is restful because it's the place that we're totally known and totally understood without a need to fracture our soul with pretending. I don't need to do that, I'm home. And God waits for you to voluntarily come home because he wants it to be real. Sure, he could zap you, turn you into a zombie and make you, but that brings him no joy because he gave you a free will and he wants it to be real. See, God took an enormous risk when he gave you a free will. That's how much he wants a relationship with you to be real. He took the risk of giving you ability to rebel and say no and walk away. Wow, that's a risk. And that is why you have something that God can't have unless you give it to him. The God of the universe can't have something unless you give it to him. And that is your devotion. Can't have it. He can't have your worship unless you give it to him. Because if he took it, it would no longer be true worship. So he waits for you to come home. It's waiting. It's waiting now for you to come home, your soul to come home. I'm gonna ask the singers and musicians to come back and help me And so how do we bring the dislocated parts of our soul back together? Number one, we tell the truth to ourself, to God and to others. Number two, we let our soul find rest by regularly bringing it home into the presence of its creator So I just want you to bow your head, and close your eyes, because I want to talk to you for a minute about your soul. Perhaps you're sitting here feeling a bit confused because despite your sincere heart, you still feel like a lost soul. Your spirit is willing, but your soul is fractured. And perhaps like me, you fractured your soul without realising it. That's my soul story. You fractured your soul without realising what you were doing. You just wanted your emotional pain to stop. So you dislocated your heart from your head. And yes, the pain stopped. But the problem is you fractured your soul in the process. And now you want to feel again. Or maybe you figured out a long time ago that people wanted you to be a certain type of person. So you fractured your soul to give them the person that they wanted you to be. But you lost your soul. You fractured your soul in the process. And you have not been yourself for years. And others here tonight the fracturing of your soul has gone so deep you don't even know anymore why you do the things that you do. Certain things trigger your emotions and it's a total mystery where it's all coming from. Does that mean you're stuck? No, that means we come to the only one who makes us a promise and that is to restore our soul. The Lord is my shepherd and He restores which part of me? My soul. You want Him to touch all these other areas of your life and yet He's reaching past them touching the primary area that He knows needs to be healed and that's your soul. You need Maybe physical healing here tonight, but God actually reaches part past that and says, actually, I need to touch your soul first. Because your soul was in pain long before your body was. And now all that's happening is your body is mirroring the state of your soul. That pain that you're feeling in your body is really a reflection of a soul pain and when that gets healed that's why he's reaching for your soul when you're in the presence of Jesus you're in the presence of the healer of your soul and right now the spirit of Jesus is in this place waiting for people to use their freedom to choose, to choose Him. Say, I want my soul to come home.